every generation, there is a chosen podcast. It alone will analyze the subtext, the allegory, and the clever Whedon-esque dialogue. It is Conversations with Dead People. Welcome to Conversations with Dead People. Um, I'm your host, Paul Smith. And once upon a time, I used to do this little podcast that was about uh, the works of uh, Joss Whedon and uh, the studio Mutant Enemy. Um, and I would have guests that would join me every week, I say laughingly, uh, from the worlds of fandom and academia. It has been, I don't know, life kicked me in the face sometime towards the, the end of last year. And... Um, scheduling podcasts especially scheduling multiple podcasts is always tricky business or at least in my universe it has been tricky business and uh conversations fell by the wayside for i believe just over four months at this point so i deeply apologize to any regular listeners who have been optimistically foolishly optimistically tuning in to see if a new episode of this would ever drop your patience has been rewarded here, here we are. I'm back, uh, and I am joined uh, this week by um, my very good friend, my very good friend, your very good friend, everybody's very good friend, Michael Holland. Michael, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. And and to give you the the proper time frame credit, you have been doggedly bugging me to to do this. So you know, <laughs> life life has has been kind of weird all around. It's it's not just you. It's not just COVID, I, you know, um, so I, I'm happy to be kind of crawling back into this with you. Uh, and thank you for um, being patient with me and, and wanting me to do another one. This is this is going to be fun. Right, you're a fan favorite. Everybody wants you to do another one, Michael. You're very kind. <laughs> very kind. Um, I have my my our listeners have been exceedingly patient. I'm going to say exceedingly patient. Um, because I know for a fact that there are some people who actually listen and have been waiting. I've, some people have reached out to say, you know, is there going to be, are you doing more? Is the show over or whatever? Um, without those, uh, brave souls who have reached out to me, I would just assume that, uh, I'm sending this podcast out into the void and nobody even noticed that I wasn't doing it anymore. So thank you very much for those who have checked in on me again. I apologize for the break, but, um, hopefully, uh, I, I mean, it's been a minute since we've done one of these, so I might be off my game a little bit. We'll see what happens. But uh, at any rate, before we get into the actual uh, meat and potatoes of the show, I did want to share a little time with you, Michael, uh, because on this podcast in the past and also on Gobbledygeek, whenever we've had you on, we have been uh, hotly anticipating uh, a show that you worked on. Oh, yes. Um, and it has finally come out. Four episodes have dropped so far. I've watched and adored all four episodes so far. Um, so let's just say a few words about The After Party, which is currently uh, airing on Apple TV+. Plus. 
Yeah. So it, it, uh, I, my day gig is I'm a post-production supervisor, um, which I was on the after party. It's from Sony Pictures Television uh, and uh, a little couple of guys who I think have a really big future here any minute. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Yeah, I think they're going somewhere. Yeah. I mean, from what I can tell. Really break. Yeah. From what I can tell in, the, in, in these four episodes, I think maybe they've got a future. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I say facetiously because if, if you don't recognize the names, Lord and Miller are behind fan favorites like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street and a little movie called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, that's that's where I've heard them. Okay. Yes. And, um, in, and it's no secret they're working on a, a second one. Um, and it was fun to sort of to have them write that while we were finishing after party so we would catch little little glimpses of magic there as well um so awesome yeah so so and just a brief little thing so the after party is a is a tv series for apple tv um and in typical ingenuity fashion that lord and miller like to do it's it's a tv show that's a whodunit it's it's a it's a murder mystery it's also a comedy um, and then on top of that, every single episode is its own genre. So we had ta- we had spoken about that before. Uh, so somewhere in my head meet, that knowledge existed. But when the first episodes dropped and I started watching them, I had forgotten that. Like I knew the Ooh. basic premise of the show, but I had forgotten Fuck. that every episode was going to be a different genre. So yeah. the first episode I really enjoyed, but I... I, I I do want to say I was I was expecting to just be rolling with laughter in the first episode and I yeah. it was funny but I I didn't bust a gut and I was like it's all it's it's always dangerous when you know you consume media or pop culture that a friend of yours has had a hand in cuz you never know yeah. what's going to happen but um when the second episode kicked in and I re- I remembered, Oh yeah, these are each episodes going to be from a different character's perspective and told in a different genre style. Yeah. Um, the quote unquote gimmick of it really kicked in for me. And in hindsight, the first episode was hilarious because now we're seeing the stuff that that character uh, talked about from someone else's point of view. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. The second and third one blew me away. I I cannot tell you. So my wife and I watched these together, and in the second episode, when I remembered, oh yeah, it's a different it's a different genre every, genre every time. My wife and I looked at each other, and we both like spontaneous were spontaneously were like, there better be a musical episode. We need a musical episode. And then the third episode happened, and I think that's when I either messaged you or tweeted. Yep. I don't remember what I did, and I was like, oh God bless you, <laughs> thank yeah. you so much. I can't believe this is happening. So, yeah, they're 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 really a lot of fun. I mean, like we even in that second one. Sorry, not a lot of these are spoilers. Um, but you know, in the second one, we really like pushed those lens flares. You know, yeah. uh, and then you know, it, everyone had like a different color palette. And I don't know if a lot of people will notice this. I'm sure you did, even if subconsciously. But there are different aspect ratios throughout every episode. Yeah. So even as even as you kind of went to the the black and white avant-garde, you know, quick flash. I mean, we went to one, three, three and, you know, the fast and the furious was, was in scope. And then like the rom-com was a little bit wider, or yeah. I'm sorry, a little bit taller. 
Um, so, and there's, there's just that kind of, kind of really just Chris, Chris, uh, Miller. Uh, sorry. I don't, I, I shouldn't just say Chris. Um, you're like but, this, come on. I, it's not, but I should, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, but Chris was, had such a, such a vision for it. I mean, from the get go of, of aspect ratio and color and like how he wanted the different score to play and how he wanted them. I mean, he directed every episode, um, and I, I think this is out there. If it's not, I don't think he would be upset that I said this. This started as a feature hmm. about eight years ago. And so that's how Sony kind of got involved. TriStar by, bought it as a feature. Okay. And eight years went by and, you know, they did a bunch of other things. And they came back to him and said, hey, we still have this. We still love it. Would you like to do it? And he said, yes, but can I do it as a series because he really wanted to lean into more and more of the different genres i mean that was all yeah. in the future it was just he was like he's like he just imagine cutting it up and really being able to play a little bit further with the different genres and the different characters and really leaning into each person's story slash perspective of how things went down etc 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 um and thank god sony was like sure yeah, yeah. Um, right. and, and Apple picked it up and Apple got it right away. Um, we didn't really have to pitch to them, you know, guys, when you see this come in and the aspect ratios are going to change, you know, that's intentional and it's <laughs> going to look very different episode to episode and it's going to feel different. Some are going to be like, to your point, some are going to play a little bit more straight. Mm -hmm. Some are going to play a little bit more romantic. Some are going to be a little wackier, you know, um, and it plays out. So you're four in. Okay. So yeah. So you're halfway. Yeah. You're halfway in. Um, it's it's oh man, it's so much fun, and it was such fun to do, because um, Chris had you know Chris directed every episode, um, and we had uh, Joel Negron um, cut, and he essentially cut the whole thing. Um, and if you don't know the name, he just did Jungle Cruise. He okay. did Thor Ragnarok. He wow. did yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a big, big, big feature guy. And we sort of looked at this like a, like a eight episode feature. Right. You know, so that we could really say, you know, cause Chris wanted to get into like episode seven. I'm just throwing that out there and be like, well, let's make sure when we're here and if we reference something, it's all playing back to like, he really wanted it to play like it's like one big story instead of say a typical TV schedule where you put out episode one and then you put out episode two. Like he really wanted them to pace into each other, play off each other. It was, it, it's, I mean, I've said it kind of to everybody. I mean, not only is it entertaining, it is so well crafted and there is so much attention to detail throughout it. Well, that's, um, that's what I was going to comment on is be only being halfway through so far. There are eight episodes, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm at the midpoint. Um, I mean, I've already noticed, uh, it, it's pretty easy, easy to spot as you're watching, um, how background details, like, like, uh, something that's front and center in like episode one, uh, will be a background detail that happens, you know, behind the, the focus characters in episode two or three or whatever. And cool. it's, it's fun to try. I, I'm telling you right now, when it's all over, I'm going to watch it all back. I'm going to binge it all like yeah. <laughs> back to back just to watch all that play out in sort of real time. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've loved, 
I've been a, a, a living embodiment of the DiCaprio meme where every time something like that happens, I point at the screen. I was like, Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Remember when that happened? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whistle. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great. I mean, it actually, I, I, it does not improve the second time. I think it's great the first time, mm -hmm. but it is so, like I say, it's so well done that when you watch it the second time, you really do go, Oh, there's that. Right. Like, that was intentional. And, or, Oh, they, they never, they did tell us that then, or right. there is that. It's, it's, well, I mean, even even mediocre like murder mysteries or, or you know detective dramas or whatever are always fun to watch a second time. Just once you know the solution, to go back and watch it from the beginning and track right. that all the way through. So yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have a blast going back yeah. on this one. But and every character has has its own his or her own sort of arc throughout it. So mm -hmm. things that you think you know about one person from the one person's perspective. Because, you know, it's high school and it's a high school reunion, you know, so you you see it's like, oh, well, this person thought that, you know, Michael thought that Paul hated him in, in high school and <laughs> you find out like, well, Paul thought Michael hated him. Like, you know, so like the different perspectives, like each each character's arc does its own thing. Yeah. It's, it's really great. It's good this, stuff. This is it's... I'll tell you this now, too, because, um, you know, we're live and we're being recorded. So Sony <laughs> Sony won't want to sue me, but this this has already been leaked by Apple. Uh, okay. So so I, I am actually allowed to say it, but I wasn't joking as well when I said, if you pay attention, there are clues in every episode that will let you solve the mystery as you watch it. I uh, trust me, I am paying attention. I mean, my my. Oh. Brain is a mess for the last two years, as I think a lot of ours have been. But uh, and, I, I, and I don't just and I don't just mean that like you're watching, you know, Death on the Nile, right, or you know, not right. like it's not like well, if you pay attention, you're going to see things. There are visual, there are vis visual puzzles. Okay. There are visual clues within the episodes that will tell you a piece of a puzzle. All the way to the eighth episode. All right, so let me ask, so let's let's wrap and up I, on I, this I'll question. Say that it's until I saw it already leaked by Apple, and I was like, "Oh, well, it's out there." <laughs> okay, well, maybe this will be putting too fine a point on it. Maybe you can't answer, but as a to close out on this subject, um, let me ask you: Do you believe that it is possible for someone to watch the first? Oh, I'm just going to say the first three episodes because they dropped the first three at once. Right. To watch the first three episodes and and figure it out not like guess not like go oh i think i i have a hunch i think i know who it is but you're talking oh. about visual clues that are actually planted are they is it the kind of thing that if you actually legitimately are watching every frame you could actually solve it in the first three um i will say that in the first three you would have who in the first three you would know who three of three of the people are not the killer Okay. All right. Each, All each, right. each episode tells you one person that it isn't. Kind of absolves somebody. Okay. So, so, right. so far, if, you, if you were paying attention and you had solved the first three puzzles, you would know three people that it is. I mean, I already have my theory, but I, we won't talk about it here. I already have my theory, but it's probably based more on just my, my, pop culture acumen or whatever it's probably based more on i think 
<laughs> like, I suspect it will be this character. Not that I have caught clues or anything, but, you know, I have my hunch on how I think maybe this is going to go. But, um... We, uh, so, Ryan Johnson screened it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Ryan was like, he goes, I know who it is. And I was like, no, you don't. It wasn't. He goes, he goes, he goes, I absolutely know who it is. And I was like, because Phil or Chris like, told you? <laughs> and he was like, no, no, no. He's like, I figured it out. And I was like, okay. I was like, tell me. And he goes, it's so-and-so. And I went, nope. <laughs> okay, excellent. All right. I was going to, I was like, did he actually figure it out? Okay. Nope. Very clear. And and I, although we were huge fans of who he thought it was and why, ah. I was like, oh, oh, that's fun. I was like, oh, I get that. And he he was he was like he's like I have to go back now and and like rework part of knives knives out too. And he was he got so, <laughs> he got so like into the into the puzzles and into the hows and the whys and the intricacies. And he, he dug it. He was just like a kid. Uh, that's awesome. Him. That's yeah. awesome. Now, now I'm going to imagine on the set of knives out too, that they're going to be playing episodes of well, yeah, the after like, party. Here it is. What's this? <laughs> yeah. 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 <sighs> uh, enjoyed it. Thank you for the, for the quote unquote plug. Um, like I said, they, they need it. They need all the help they can get. Um, I really want to see Lord Miller uh, succeed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> You know, I, I have tens of listeners that I that yeah. are hearing the names Lord and Miller for the first time, I'm sure. So anyways, great show. I look forward to the rest of that. And um, if if um, it is on Apple TV, I, it's Apple TV plus. But I don't know if there's a difference between Apple TV plus and Apple TV. Well, I, I think I think plus is is the streaming thing. I think okay. Apple TV, when somebody just says that, I think that's the box you can get. Right, right. That allows you to whatever, but which we also have. Right, but, but I, I think everybody just calls it Apple TV, right. or it's on Apple. It's it's if anybody out there is watching the wonderful uh, Ted Lasso, it's it's on the exact same service. Yeah. It's, or it's Dickinson, Apple. which just wrapped, which was wonderful. Anyways, yeah. Speaking well, speaking of uh, a buddy of mine did some VFX work on on Dickinson. I just realized loved that show so much. I, I, I have not seen it, but if you if you remember, she and a, and another girl lady are in like a gazebo as lightning hits it. Uh huh. Yes, that was the that was the quote unquote time travel episode. Okay, my my buddy did all that weather and and lightning. Very cool. I just I was I was like oh I saw his name pop up and I was like are you back doing he is he is on on a personal like. When I say I know this person, like when I say he is the best artist that I know, that I know personally, uh-huh. he is he is probably the best just like pen to paper artist. He's he's absolutely incredible. I mean, he like for boredom when he's just sketching, it's like you would frame that or want it to be a comic book. Or... Awesome. And then, and but yeah, he had sort of gotten out of doing actual visual effects for a while. Um, I mean, because he goes back to Buffy. Hmm. Um, he did, he did, um, in once more with feeling when the girls are out in the park or out in the, in the right. And they're kind of like doing those little, the glitter effects and everything like hand to hand and whatnot. That was all him. Oh, nice. Um, and then he did all of like the force field around the Winnebago. Oh in, Lord. In like the second to 
second to like the second to last episode of that season. Right. Right. When they're up, like he did. So he's, he's been doing it a while and I thought he was sort of out of it. And then all of a sudden like, he was like, yeah, he's like, I did all that electricity in Dickinson. I was like, holy shit. Good. Good for you, buddy. That's cool. Well, <laughs> it's an excellent show. I recommend you check that out. I will. He didn't happen to do any effects work on the three angel episodes we're talking about tonight. I, did he? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> um, it, although it would sort of be around that time that he was there. He very well might have. Um, I'm trying to think, was this two thousand Angel at Riot? I think that's where they were doing their finishing and probably their VFX stuff. So he might have. Yeah, mm-hmm. because the same the same house would have likely done both shows, I would guess. Well, there you go. Maybe we're talking about some of your friend's work tonight, then. <laughs> it, did, it did occur to me also, as I was jotting down you know, notes and whatnot, that this was 22 years ago. That's right. Yep. <laughs> That you know, was like, fall of 2000 is when these three episodes aired. Wow. We're old, man. We're old. Wow. Or I'm yeah. old. I think no, you're, you're still a young buck. We're there. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let me give a spoiler to anybody who might be tuning in for the first time for some reason. I mean, it has been, it's like we're starting over from, from scratch. This is the first episode of the podcast. So, um, if you have not listened before, this is a spoiler podcast. We're going to be discussing uh, the plots, characters, and themes of the episodes we're discussing in depth uh, within the context of the series as a whole, um, which means we're going to spoil a lot of stuff, probably all the stuff. Um, so this is your official warning. Do yourself a favor. Go watch Buffy, Angel, Firefly, Dollhouse, just all of it, and then come back and listen to this. Um, but... With all that out of the way, uh, let's go to work. So we are going to be discussing Angel. Uh, we're in season two. We, we've, when I took my unplanned hiatus from this podcast, we had just started season two of Angel. So now oh, we're so hit- you, you kind of wished it was like at least between seasons. Right, right. It was a very <laughs> awkward place to pause for four and a half months or whatever. But anyways, tonight we're going to be talking about episodes 204, Untouched. 205 dear boy and 206 guys will be guys so let's um kick right off with episode 204 untouched which originally aired october 17th 2000 um written by mayor smith directed by joss whedon and this is um mayor smith is one of my favorite writers uh she will go on to do phenomenal episodes of this series in the future Mm -hmm. uh this was her first writing credit on angel so yeah i think i think she was in the room in the room, I think this whole season may be yeah, in the end yeah, yeah. of season one. I think but she was a sc- script. I don't remember what her title was, but yeah, she was involved. But this is her Something. first full writing credit. Yeah, and 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 I think a, a if it's definitely the first, and I would probably still say a really rare time that Joss directed something that he didn't write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I was funny because as soon as I. You know, one thing I love about doing these is I have not I've seen obviously the the whole season probably three times. So like not a lot, but not once. Um, And so but it's always been a long time. So I really love coming back to these because it's really comforting to come back and visit. Like anytime that we've talked about Buffy or Angel, I'm like, oh, (laughs) and and the other thing was is is they were good. Yeah kind of like write them off but it's like even when i go back and watch early x files or any of this world quote unquote you know i i'm like wow these are good like yeah. I, I don't just sort of remember enjoying them they were good 
Um, yeah. So it's like doubly comforting. It is nice. It is always nice to go back on something that you remember loving and turns out you, it's still good and you still like it. But, um, like I have famously over the entire length and breadth of this podcast so far, I've been angels, what I've been dying to get to, cause it's my, it's my preferred show of the, of the, to the Buffy verse stuff. Um, so season one, our discussions of season one were just a little bit rough because it is season. The first season of any show of any genre show usually, you know, has to work out some kinks. Um, season two, I feel like they're, they've really found their feet and they're up and running. I know there are a lot of people for whom season two is not their favorite, but uh, at least at this point in the season, I'm still loving all the episodes. These three that we're going to talk about tonight, I think are all um, to varying degrees. I think they're all good to great. Um and untouched um, is my, it might seem like sort of a monster of the week episode. We're at this weird point right now um, with the, the sort of larger Darla storyline that's being told um, where even the kind of quote unquote monster of the week episodes um, are dealing with the, the larger story. Yeah that's being told. So I think maybe in another season, this could come off as just a one-off. Um, but because it ties it, because not only do we get some development on the Darla storyline in this episode, I think the themes of the episode tie in really well mm-hmm. with what's going on with Darla and Angel. So. Yeah. And I, I thought we would sort of be past. It's so funny because I had forgotten that he directed it. Um, and I, I was like, oh, you know what? This is this is nice because maybe even the the hiatus gave us a little time away, and uh-huh. you know, we, we could really get back into you know content instead of creator. Yeah. Like, oh, this is fine. And then during the quote unquote hiatus, whatever, mm-hmm. I was like the interview came out, and I was like, well, maybe we don't really have to talk about it. And, we, and then I was like, and then I. <laughs> I'm watching the episode and the directed by came up and I was like, well, there yeah. he is. <laughs> yeah. I, I would love to say that the hiatus, I took the hiatus because something like the recent uh, Whedon interview had dropped and I just needed everybody to take a break and yeah. catch our breath. But uh, unfortunately the timing on that was all off. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to stumble through and just kind of, I guess. What, what, yeah. What a, what a odd odd interview and, yeah. and, and and she could not have been fairer <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah yeah she could not have been sort of smarter fairer more eloquent about it and i no, was that, like please stop handing him more rope that, that whole thing <laughs> that whole interview um it w- was a hot mess like that, that's I, I read that and i was like i cannot actually believe what's happening right here i cannot yeah this is this is just a nightmare. I'm gonna wake up. Yeah, exactly. So clearly, let's uh, let's just say let's just say that this is a well directed episode. I, I think it is. I think it we're is. safe saying that Joss is a good director. Certainly in these in this context, Joss is a a very good director, and it's always it has always been a joy to go back to these two series and see an episode directed by Joss because you know it's going to be yeah one of the good ones. But for tonight, let's focus on the writing, <laughs> less on the directing. Yeah, yeah you know. Um, but this is this is a this is a dark episode. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you said it well so far. It, it you know it, it handles Darla well. It also mirrors the monster of the week to Darla really well. Um, 
Um, I love Julie Benz. I, it's so nice. I, I'm so happy to just be reveling in Lila again. Right. Um, yeah, but it's it's dark. I mean, and obviously the 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 stuff with the dad and the little girl, I and mean, that's just it's just tough. So to your point, yeah, Joss handled it really well because I was, you know, to to sort of say it like Buffy would, it was icky. Mm. But like in a in a good way, like it was it you really felt for um is it Beth Bethany? Bethany, yeah. yeah. So you really feel for her. Um you really buy the telekinesis, you buy the rage, you buy I was like, God, this is really handled well. And still within, you know, a a a, a buffy angel world. You yeah. know, it didn't feel too serious, but it didn't gloss over it. It was well, talking about how dark this is, even even stuff that this episode um, sort of unintentionally foreshadows. So this episode, uh, one of the other firsts that we get in this episode is it's our first glimpse at the sort of the damaged or unfinished. I don't it might it, it's probably not unfinished. I think it's just damaged, the dilapidated upper floors oh, yeah. of the Hyperion. Um, that's where Bethany runs to when she's trying to get away or whatever. I don't know if it's the next time, but in my head, the next time, certainly a prominent uh, place where those dilapidated floors come into play is in the episode Billy, which I think is coming up next season mm. with, uh, I don't know. I, do you remember what episode I'm talking about? Vaguely. With, with Fred, Fred and Wesley. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is a super dark episode. So just the fact that this is our first glimpse at, that space within the Hyperion, knowing that the next time we see it is going to be that storyline, which is super dark. I mean, yeah, there's, there's darkness all over this episode. Um, the, the interesting tie in, I think, or the, or the, um, the way that we, that the episode matches the quote unquote monster of the week, Bethany, uh, with the larger story being told with Darla is in the, (laughs) <laughs> let's talk about the special projects Wolferman's Wolferman Hart's special projects. Oh yeah. 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 Um, so Bethany is set up as, as Lila's special project. Um, Lila is supposed to be uh, sort of grooming this young telekinetic girl um, so that they can use her as a weapon. Um, and she's doing that by taking advantage of and exploiting uh, Bethany's, uh, trauma, the damage she has from her from her childhood, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and her sort of lack of control that Lila is trying to feed all of that and put her in situations that um, exaggerate that so that they, I mean, they use the word trigger at one point. They talk about pulling the trigger with yeah. Bethany, uh, and the damage that we're talking about the the. Uh, the trauma and the damage is her is Bethany's sort of her sense of her sexuality, Mm. like her history of abuse with her father, which is, I was going to say implied, but I think it's pretty, I mean, I think think it's pretty, it's pretty overt. Um, and the fact that Wesley picks up on that, Wesley is the one that picks up on that because he, I think, Mm. I, I don't think we are ever given any indication that Wesley's abuse by his father was, anything other than emotional. Right. But still Wesley has a history with, with his father, with an abusive father. 
Well, and, and to give Cordy credit, she she sort of gives that that she gets that moment of something's off. Yeah, yeah. with her, and then yes, he figures out that the dad. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's I mean it's it's sort of it is absolutely implied because then you get that great because the you get the great hello sorry I'm way jumping ahead no 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 but the hello rabbit you know bookend uh-huh. with that great shot of the Hyperion blowing out I love that I love that that's so great yeah I mean so so you needed that sort of serious lean into come downstairs with me. You know, and uh, come downstairs on the road, and then the Hello Rabbit to mm-hmm. her finally just—I mean—that knee-jerk uh, reaction, which I, I thought was so well done. But yeah, going back to, to to what you were saying about the special project, I love the moment. It's there's like this great throwaway joke of when Lila says that they made a blood oath, mm-hmm. which just sounds like one of those things. But I was like, no, they probably did. Yeah, it's Wolfram and Hart. They yeah, probably so literally probably- did. And then she's talking about how, like, she would go and speak at schools and right. and then pick out people. And I was like, oh, this is like a, another version of of um, Out of Sight, Out of Mind from Buffy season yes. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was season one. Where it was like, ooh, they are targeting young people who mm-hmm. have powers and sort of grabbing them out X-Files style. Yeah, uh, or X Men style, or X Men style. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was like, oh, oh, yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up because I had this note of like schools, and I was like, yep, yep, we've sort of seen that before. Um, and then I, and then uh, the out of sight, out of mind always felt like a little preamb- preamble to the initiative, but Wolf mm-hmm. and Hart doing the same thing. Yeah. Um. So. So Bethany is one special project and Lila is exploiting uh, her, her subjects lack of control and her, her trauma, her traumatic sexual past. Lindsay's special project is Darla, um, which is very much, who is very much in control of her sexuality. Her sexuality is also traumatic and damaged as we will find out as we learn more and more about Darla. Um, and her relationship with Angel is very, very dark and damaged and traumatizing. But she right. is absolutely in control of that. And um, and, happily. and happily in control of Revelry. that. Yeah. Um, so it's just interesting that in this episode, those are both um, counterbalanced. And, and I think what made me first register that is when there's the very, it's a very good scene, but it's a troubling scene. When Bethany goes into Angel's room. And she's mm-hmm. like, you know, I couldn't sleep. I thought mm-hmm. maybe you couldn't sleep too or whatever. That's a very, that's a rough scene. Um, you know, when you think about what that scene's about and what's going on with Bethany. And then as Bethany is leaving, Darla is hiding right there in the next room. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh man, both of these women are being used by Wolfram and Hart, uh, you know, to target Angel in entirely... I mean, in the same way, but from entirely different directions. Yeah. I I, I don't know. It's super dark. That's yeah. <laughs> super dark. And, well, and I, I can see, you know, why Joss probably, you know, I, I don't want to say that it was altruistic and say, hey, this is a really heavy episode, especially with the father and the daughter stuff that he that he said, I, I better just handle this. I better take this on and deal with it. Mm-hmm. Or. 
you know, he saw a really good script. He saw some really good themes going on and saying, I, I want to, <laughs> yeah. to direct this. There's some really good stuff in it. Yeah. And, I mean, and to your point, I mean, like all that's handled really well. It's not just good material. It's, it's really handled well. Yeah. Um, I, uh, people who have a more encyclopedic knowledge or memory of this stuff can, can correct me, but I don't think we ever see Bethany again. She's another one of those interesting characters, kind of like the, I, I don't remember the invisible girl from out of sight, out of mind. Oh yeah. I only remember that it was Chloe Duvall. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Um, but I don't remember her name. Sorry. She also disappeared and I always kind of wanted her to pop up in a later season or whatever, but I think Bethany is out of the picture for good, but, um, good pun too. She disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, obviously and it, it also seemed a little cliche, um, or it could have seemed cliche, but I really love that she controls the power by the end. Right. Um, cause like the grabbing of the suitcase is just cool. <laughs> like, yeah. In, in the way that she kind of just, you know, tells, tells Layla off and she has that moment where I was like, Oh, this may seem a little, a little forced or a little cliche or whatever, but I was like, it just worked. You liked seeing her in control, you know? And there was like the double surprise of her pushing the dad out, pushing quote unquote, the dad out the window, but then stopping him catching him yeah you know yeah so i was like oh there's just these little moments again it was you know what joss and co are always i think at their best at is is leaning into the tropes of horror comedy horror comedy (laughs) and then and then turning them on their heads you know where it's like joke 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 you know pathos or heavy pathos joke you know um, or yeah, she could have very easily thrown him out the window and, and killed him. And we would have all been satisfied because he deserved it. And she did that, you know, angel didn't do it. It wasn't Wolfram and Hart. It was her. It felt satisfying. And then she caught him and was like, no, this is, this would, the death was too good for him. Just because of the, just because it happens in the context of this episode, the stuff that's going on in this episode, I think it's worth, I think it's worth asking your thoughts on the fact that angel is the one that not, I don't know if urged is the right word, but you know, when, when her father shows up and, and she blows out the, the upper oh, floors yeah. or whatever no, angels like you have the power or what does he say? It's uh, almost like finish this. Yeah, or, basically. Yeah. And so, and that's when she throws him out the window. Now, obviously we're supposed to realize that angel is trusting that she's going to control herself, that she yeah. will do what she does and throw him out the window, but then catch him or whatever. Um, but since we're at this point, uh, a combination of seeing what's happening right now, which is that Wolfram and Hart is using Darla to actively try and push Angel dark. Mm-hmm. Plus knowing where Angel gradually goes uh, over the course of this season, and next season, the fact that he does <laughs> struggle with his darkness. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I blinked at that moment. I, I flinched a little bit at that moment. Yeah. It is surprising. Um, you, you can read it two ways. One, he, he himself is dark in that moment mm-hmm. can easily spot that this guy is an asshole mm-hmm. uh, on, on multiple levels. Like, like there's, there's nothing redeeming about him that we see at all. So, right. you know, so there is that moment where he's just like, finish this and he's dark. Or if we, if we all want to be nice or, or nicer about it, he is telling her, he's giving her the power to finish it. 
whatever it is, he's like, Bethany, you have the power to finish this. This is this choice and, and the power, therefore the choice is in your hands where he's saying, I will back you, whatever you decide, but it's, she needed to be the one to forgive or to slay or to whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah. Because, because he's like, you can control this power. And then I think he sees that she is starting to control it. So he's saying, do it. This, this is now in your hands. You finish this. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to walk past the fact that Bethany had a great line again in that troubling scene when she visits him in his bedroom. I think that's where she says the line. Um, when, uh, well, first of all, Angel has the great line. You wouldn't like me when I'm happy. Yeah. Which is just, just great. Um, a Bill Bixby callback. Uh, but Bethany says, uh, Oh, you love people. You, you love them so much. You have a hundred rooms to be alone in. Yep. It's like, Oh my, there's something, I don't know. I just, I loved that line. I love that line. And I love the way she delivered it. And I love the look on, I love the way Boreanaz played the reaction to that. Yeah. Um, well, we, get, we get some great moments like that too, coming up in, in guys will be guys when the, the fake Swami is talking to him. Oh God, I love all that stuff. And he, but he's, he's like naming out a bunch of things that are right in that same ballpark of like, Oh, well, you know, you drive around in a convertible. Oh, that's right. You don't have a mirror, but you always dress in black. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You don't give a shit about how you look, but you spend you know a lot of money on hair gel. Right. And blah, 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 blah. And I was like, Oh man, once again, they're just taking a lot of these sort of fun things about angel that we, you know, often just take for granted. And it's like, well, yeah, why does he care about what he looks like? Well, why right. does, like, you know, um, yeah, where, where those are, are lighter and funnier. Her, hers is a great, a great punch to the chest. Yeah. Uh, last thing I'll say about this episode is this is the first uh, appearance of Gunn's super cool hubcap axe, which I think, <laughs> which I think he keeps, I think that sticks around for a couple seasons. I think that's a recurring weapon of his. Oh, that's funny. I didn't realize it was the first one. Um, yeah, it's the first time we see it. So, well, just like just and also just like when when I think it's in oh man, it's got to be the um, the mayor finale when Angel is walking into the volcanic doctor's I think apartment and he slips in in the Buffy finale. Oh yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, graduation day. It's either part one or part two. But he kind of walks into the apartment and he slips. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, wow, that's really stealthy. You know, he gets another great apartment entrance in this because he's leaning on the force field uh, because the guy is on critical condition. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think Gun falls in because the guy has died. That's really fine. Yeah. When Gun has the line, "You're a very graceful man." Have I ever mentioned that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, Joss knows how to have Angel show up to places. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, let's move on to Dear Boy, uh, episode yeah. 205, Dear Boy, which originally aired on October 24th, 2000. This is written and directed by David Greenwald. Um, and is the first appearance of Drusilla on Angel. It's the first yeah. time she shows up on this series. She's so good. Ah, I love, I love Juliet Landau. I love Drusilla. Yeah. Um, so yeah. What, uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Angel has a thing for convents. I just want to say that right now. Angel has a thing for convents. 
Um, I'm trying to see. Um, oh, it was nice having Lockley back as well. Mm-hmm. Kate. Because um, I really, I really like her. Um, you know, and I think they sort of got rid of the, you know, the Batman Gordon thing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a little too soon, but I don't know how far you can take that. So. The other way to go, the other smart way to go is to have her find out who he is and what he is and have an issue with it, you know, and that kind of goes back to the, to her, because I, yeah, because I don't think we've seen her at all this season, right? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, we're only four or five years. It's, it's been, it's been months since I recorded the last episode. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but yeah, I think this might be her first time in season two. Um and you know kate i think uh i think kate is famously mishandled throughout the series there's some bits i've never disliked the character as much as a lot of people do i just think that they could have better utilized the character than they ultimately did but i do i didn't used to i used to hate this part of it where they had her just being constantly riding angel's ass but at this point i think i prefer her as sort of the antagonist yeah than as his you know girl on the force or whatever yeah no she totally started off as gordon so i think that you can't play that that long so you have to take her somewhere and i think to separate them to have her be you know antagonistic to him i think i agree works better yeah i wish they could more effectively use her in that role than they ultimately do but yeah um i had forgotten sorry if we're just jumping around Mm. but i had a note here did we know up before this, and, and maybe I should start with, is Darla human? I, Because that's sort of implied in this episode. And my, my note was, did we know that she was human before this? Because we still get those moments of like, I can feel him, I can smell him. Right. I can... And then I went, well, she's not a vampire. It's... <sighs> Well, I think I think really, they confirm it. I don't think they hint at it. I think they confirm it in this one, or or at least by the next one. But um, it's yeah, hard for me to tell because I, you know, I've known that tr- I've known the truth of that for years. So yeah, I'm watching this knowing for a fact that oh yeah, they brought her back as human. But I can't I can't remember if they've ever explicitly said that out loud on the show before this. Yeah, because I because I, 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 I incorrectly it's my fault, but I did not rewatch. Uh, one, two, and three, right? which I which I probably should have because I was like, it's we're right at the beginning of the season. I really should properly catch myself up. Yeah. But I but they were getting into all that, and, and he's like, and I love the moment when he says something to the effect of, "You have a soul now. This is all going to start to, you know, bite you in the ass soon." Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, oh, did we know that ahead of right here? Because of knowing, like you said, knowing what's about to happen and what eventually happens, I was like, "Ooh, did we did we know that at this point?" Because they really lean both ways. Because mm-hmm. I, I had forgotten that she actually runs into the sunlight at the hotel. Right. And, yeah. and then I was like, "Oh, oh, right. Did did we know this anyway?" That's. <laughs> I know that I wasn't the only one saying, "I'm not sure." <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't remember when or if they ever explicitly said that out loud but um i do want to say that the chemistry between boreanas and ben's david boreanas and julie ben's um way hotter than his chemistry with anybody else with the possible exception of james marsters (laughs) 
I, I mean, I'm famously not the biggest uh, Buffy and Angel fan. I'm, I'm not the biggest um, Bangel fan in yeah. the world. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't just love the chemistry that those two have, but man, his chemistry, the chemistry, particularly in this episode between Boreanaz and Ben's. Yeah. Um, at the end, at the end of the episode, is hot, man. Yeah. That is some ser- There is some serious uh, chemistry being brought to bear in that scene. Yeah, it's a great. I mean, the, the one where they're down in the pillars again. Yeah, yeah. She- when he drags her down and yeah. finally gets her to reveal that she is who she is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you get that great moment of her stepping up into the stairs and and going back up into the light, mm-hmm. having admitted how dark she is, which is a wonderful moment from David uh, uh, Greenwald. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, that's a really, that's a really tough scene. Uh, I, I just mean logistically, um, plot, pace, meter. It's a lot of dialogue. It's a lot of soap opery dialogue. Yeah, yeah. And and it doesn't feel like it when you're watching it. I was totally invested in it. Absolutely. Okay. And, and and to your point, it's it's the two of them. Yeah, I, I I'm glad you mentioned it's a lot of dialogue. I hadn't even thought of it in that sense but yeah that's just a lot of there's not physically a lot going on in that scene just them smoldering at each other uh in good and bad ways but um that's a lot of dialogue to deliver that is a lot of emotion to pack behind that dialogue and julie benz in particular i mean i love david boreanaz and he kills it as angel but um man benz the way she because in that scene, what's happening is she's still trying to pretend she's not actually Darla. She's trying to pretend that she's this Dieta Kramer yeah. chick. Um, and so watching her play Darla pretending to be somebody else, um, mm-hmm. just watching her be that frightened, pretending to be the frightened, innocent woman, um, and then gradually <laughs> Angel just drags it out of her and, and uh, she shifts into being full-on just sinister Darla. Yeah, and we and yeah, and her turn is really good, mm-hmm. you know. So because we don't, we've already seen her wink, right? When she's in the in the scene, essentially with the actor at the table. Yes, yeah, yeah. So we'd already seen her go like, I full on admit that I'm playing Deidre. I'm I am. You know what I mean? So we'd seen the wink, wink, right you know, moment, and she's like, I swear to God, if you don't stop asking me questions, I'm going to kill you. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is just scenery chewing wonderfulness. And that's, and I, and it's no secret because I know you and I have talked about how much I love the mayor say, but whenever you have a villain that revels in being a villain, I'm, I'm so in, I just blindly. Mm -hmm. And and typically that's what we get out of Darla is we get the, I love being evil. So to see her play the victim to then to see her play the emotion with David and then to make the turn back into whatever she says, like, I'm not going to scream. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh, because, yeah, David is excellent, um, but she carries that. Yeah, she she just carries the the what am I trying to say that all the tough there's heavy lifting in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I, I'm not taking anything away from David, but few people react better than he does. He's he's wonderful in that sense. Um, Maybe not as much as 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 he does drive a scene. Mm hmm. Um, whereas she's just, you know, she's just a jet. She's really fantastic in that scene. Right. I mean, it's, um, it's heavy and it's, and it's fast. Um, and, and he, and he holds on. Um, and 
it's it's it could have been a bad scene. Yeah, I guess is what is is the the bad way I'm trying to say it, and it wasn't. So the some of the chemistry and some of the the dramatic tension of that scene obviously is is built up because we get a flashback. So speaking of Drusilla, yeah. um, we get a flashback to. We, we've seen bits and pieces of Drusilla's origin story, and we've been told bits and pieces of her origin story. Um, I can't remember if chronologically this is the first time that we see her pre-vamp. I, I honestly can't remember, but... I don't remember, yeah. yeah. But this, the, we get to see, like, Angel and Darla, or Angelus and Darla stalking uh, human Drusilla. And the scene in the church, or the convent, whatever it is... Um, so there are two revelations I feel like this episode gives us about the relationship between Angel Angelus and Darla. Mm -hmm. um, the first one I think is in the scene when Angelus reveals his plans for this girl with sight or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, Darla thinks, Oh, this is a, you know, this is a sex game. We're going to, we're going to kill her right here or, or whatever. And he was like, no, 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 I'm going to turn her or whatever. And he's got this really sinister reason for wanting to do that. I don't know if it was intentional. I believe it was, but to me, it looked like in that scene, uh, Darla was at least for a moment, actually just a little bit frightened of Angelus mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at the level <laughs> of evil that he was bringing to that moment. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like that maybe is the first and possibly only time that we ever get that I ever see any evidence that maybe Darla had created a monster. Yeah. No, um, I think you're absolutely right. But I think it also kind of goes, goes back to, you know, the scene we keep talking about um, near the end is there is a reason for her to believe that she can draw out the monster in him again. There's a reason that she is still attracted to him. I think because at some point she really did scare him. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's a, it's a, not just a fair note. I think you're, you know, spot on. The other revelation is, um, angel gets to, to drop this in that final scene, in that closing scene, which the confrontation between them, yeah. When, uh, you know, she's talking about, you know, just, just let me, let me make you happy and we can be happy together, <laughs> you know, whatever, you know, the implication yeah. being we can do away with this pesky soul of yours. We know how to do that. Um, and his line was, uh, you know, you took me to places, you showed me things, uh, you blew the top off my head, but you never made me happy, which could be read. And he kind of like the tone of voice that he delivers that in could be looked at as just another one of those snarky back and forth hateful things that they say to each other. Mm -hmm. But it's actually, he's actually being, he's making a very valid point that she's never been with him while he's had a soul. And so she never made him happy. Happiness was never part of their, their relationship. hundred percent. And, and that's just not something she can do. So it was delivered as a hurtful comment in a lover's spat, but mm -hmm. it's actually making a very important point. Yeah. Um, and so the revelation, I feel, for me at least, that comes out of that is the idea that um, Darla has maybe always overestimated her emotional pull 
on Angel or whatever. Like the depth of emotion that those two characters share might be something other than what she has always imagined it being. Yeah. Well, and, and I, you're absolutely right first, but it also could be, you know, a, a writer's comment that, Hey, we're, we're telling you that she is not going to turn him. Yeah. Like there, there was never a moment in one of those dreams over the last five episodes, whatever it is, where she never made him happy because could he, you know, happiness, you know, we keep joking. We, the audience, you know, keep joking that, you know, happiness is sex. Right. But it really, it really can be anything. Cause I think at one point, and I forget if it, I think it's in angel, don't they, they basically take ecstasy and he gets the false bliss. It was in the first season of angel. Yeah. Oh, so they, 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 okay. they dose him or what it's that, uh, it's the, the actress that wants to live forever or whatever she right, doses right. him. Yeah. So it's, it's, there's, there is, you know, you could turn him and it, it might wear off, but as long as he experiences bliss, it's there. So I think it's a, it's a, this is a way of saying of, of, of the writer saying, this is where their relationship is. This mm-hmm. is not going to happen. Yeah. And he just literally says it. Plus we also need this can't, this storyline can't just be Darla being in control and doing it can't just be about Darla making angel dark. It has to be, I mean, Darla has to be suffering something in this storyline as well. And this is, uh, this is a, you know, her faith is being shaken at this point as well. Like she's, she has an arc that she's going to have to go on in this storyline. And it's not just, Oh, you brought me back so I can bang angel and make him into Angelus again. There's something else going on with Darla. And this is the beginning of that. Um, what else did we have here? Oh, uh, we get more Lorne. He's still not named uh-huh. Lorne. He's still just the host. But but I, I mean, any I episode any episode that starts in Carados, uh yes. is good for me. And I believe, um, I believe this is the first time we're introduced to Lorne's uh, sea breeze fetish. Oh, really? I think this so is I the first time he's ordered a sea breeze. I do love when he's just drinking. What there was there was a shift, and I, I love Lorne forever in yeah. anything that he's in every episode every version of of him you know but i i do miss this really early version of him when mm-hmm. he's just the host of the karaoke bar yeah and fairly lit all the time <laughs> you know he, you know it's oh it's so funny yeah it's so good you know and it, it's and i i think we got the rebar conversation that's in the last one right? that's in the previous one yeah uh yeah. bethany throws rebar through him yeah which is which is great because it references when cordy had the rebar through her yeah um and if there's there's something in the back of my brain i think that's a true story for charisma i think that accident actually happened to her which is why they did it in buffy oh uh that feels like a thing that i should know so maybe i did at one point but it's not ringing any bells yeah um, and then in this one, I think Darla says something like she references the cheerleader, which is a reference. To yes. Somebody. Which, which. So correct well, I, me if I'm as a, as a total geek, I just love whenever you get universe references. Right. Right. But correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Darla, cause he killed, he dusted Darla in 
in the bronze in was it season was it season one or season two it might might be one i don't know that she's she's around for like the mayor's mayor (laughs) the master's ascension right right in, in in the uh the the end of season one i think she's already gone okay so whenever it was it was it was before the official buffy and angel relationship started so any context that Darla has for the fact that Angel has this tragic relationship with the cheerleader, with Buffy, yeah. is stuff that she's been told after the fact, I presumably agree. by Wolfram and Hart, since they I brought agree. her back. So yeah, I think the last time we see Darla in Buffy, she's in, she's she's in the bronze. She has, and it's one of those rare moments of guns. Right. The, yeah. She had a gun. Like, I think she has like those two forty-five. She's yeah, like going yeah. down woo on the pool table. Um, and then, yeah, and then Angel dusts her and she's gone, which is why I love seeing her come back at, I think it's the end of season one. We know it's her, right? Oh yeah. The season finale of, of one. Yeah. Cause I think Lila says something. I think Lila says her name. Yeah. Like, hello, Darla. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, so, um, yeah, but you know, it's, you know, we were joking earlier that it's been 22 years since this came out. Um, you know, and we're so inundated by, say, the MCU or any any universe storytelling. And I was just like so just uh, like, again, comforted when I was like, oh, Buffy and Angel did that. You know, <laughs> we, like for a little bit, we got, you know, these two shows that would reference each other and play off each other. And for us, you know, geeks 20 years, 20 plus years ago, I was like, oh, we had a we had a little universe. That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. What else did we get? Um, oh, there was the bit with, uh, when Angel busts into the house. So obviously it was all a setup. Uh, but when Angel hears Darla scream or whatever, and he like kicks in the door and rushes into Mm -hmm. her to rescue her, um, obviously Angel wasn't necessarily in his right mind, but it didn't even dawn on angel that how, you know, why can I bust in here? Like, why can I enter the house? Yeah. Um, so I'm glad that gun raised that question later. I'm glad yeah. that that became a point And gun was like, hold up, wait a minute. How'd he get in the house? Um, I also thought it was interesting that, uh, when Cordelia and Wesley were sort of explaining to gun how, you know, angel could, you know, sometimes maybe he could go bad or whatever. And that, and gun was absorbing all that. Um, I'm, I was trying to put my mind in the space of people who are watching this for the first time, didn't know where anything was going. And the idea that, Oh, are they setting gun up to be like, are they, are they about to pit gun against angel? Are they setting the groundwork for gun to now not trust angel anymore or whatever? Um, which I don't that's know if that great. was ever yeah, an intention. That's a great note. It didn't, it didn't hit me like that. Although it may have been like in the writer's room, they may have been like, well, float it, put right. it out there. Yeah, let, yeah. let him, you know, cause I mean, really up until meeting angel, he has, he has been such a one tracked, I kill vampires, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then he has the death of his sister, which, you know, starts to turn him. And then he starts to trust angel. And there's like, you know, that's part of his thing, but yeah, I didn't take that. Like that, but that's a good, what, that's a good thing for two episodes. 
Yeah, I, th- I think if it was there, it was probably what you just said. It was probably in the writer's room. They were like, oh, let's just put that yeah. in there, see what we end up doing with it. Yeah. Um, anything well, else about this one? Just, I, I, I always want every show to be so mapped out. Right. So it's not always. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Except for After Party. <laughs> I was just going to say, well, I mean, you just worked on a on a yeah. murder mystery. That kind of does yeah. have to be all mapped out, you're, doesn't it? It yes. Um, okay. Was there anything else about this one? Um, you know, it's funny. I, 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 I hate when I do this, it's my own fault, but I wrote and it's in quotes. So it must be a piece of dialogue as neutered. So it must've been a funny line and it must've been about angel saying something. And I wish I could remember. Is it, it, I, is it the eunuch line from guys will be guys? No, I, I wrote neutered and it's definitely under my dear boy, but it hmm. just feels like. It's a joke line. It doesn't. It yeah, I don't doesn't, remember. I'm not playing it like, but I was like, oh, that must have been funny. But I can't remember what it was. I think Spike has referred to him as neutered before. I don't yeah. know. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I guess I'm looking at my quotes now to see if there was anything. Oh, Lindsay had the line. We don't want him dead. We want him dark. So that's that was a thing. Um, they're finally starting to sort of tip their hand as like Wolfram and Hart the show is starting to tip its hand at what Wolfram and Hart is trying to do. Cause I know in season one, a lot of people were like, what, like, are they trying to kill angel? Are they trying to recruit angel? What are they doing? Yeah. Um, Darla had the line. God doesn't want you, but I still do. That was a great line. That was good. Um, is this, is, it, is this the episode where she kind of takes Lindsay's wooden hand? Is that this, that scene? Uh, because there was a very... It must be this one, because I don't think she's in Guys Will Be Guys, right? Do we, we don't see her in Guys Will Be Guys. No, you're right. Yeah, so, so it must be this one, where he, she's like, you feel, you don't feel any, or you don't yeah. feel anything? And he's like, not in my hand. Not in my hand, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on to... Uh, 2000. <laughs> right. Let's move on to our... Uh, our third episode, 206, Guys Will Be Guys, um, original air date November 7th, 2000, uh, written by the incomparable Jane Espenson, oh. which I believe this is her final Angel episode. Is it? No. I don't really? think she has any writing credits on anything after this. Oh, my God. Which, if that's true, uh, if that's true, that's tragic. Um, yeah, to everybody listening, please, please, please appreciate Jane Espenson. She <laughs> She's extraordinary. Whenever, when I mean, uh, we, we were just talking about it, like whenever it would say written and directed by Joss, we were always really excited uh-huh. on first airings. I was always as excited when it said written by Jane. Yep, absolutely. Because she's so good. Very few people next to Joss. Um, and she was on The Nevers. I mean, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. they still work together and they work together so well because she just gets that tone. Which we should talk about the Nevers someday. Do you you watched it, right? Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I don't know. We should talk about that. Do you know off the top of your head? Do you know if she's going to stay on the show now that Joss is not on the show? I I, I do not. Okay. Um, uh, a buddy of mine they they did the finish they were they do the finishing over at Company Three, uh, and a buddy of mine was the online editor on it, um, and he said they were already kind of playing with. I don't know if they're calling it season two or if they're calling it like the second half of season one, but you know, they obviously took that break. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't have a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, info on it. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So Jane Spenson is a, is a treasure. Um, and the episode's directed by Krishna Rao, which I did not, I apologize. I didn't do my research. I don't know if she has any other directing credits. On um, 
It's um, let me look this up really quick. I think a director of photography mostly because I think it like the the new Magnum PI in Hawaii Five O. Mm-hmm. Um, director of photography, and then probably directs on those now. That's all Peter Lenkoff, who's the same showrunner. Okay. But yeah, DP, Wait, Y5O, and, and, and Magnum for, for a while, and probably directing now. Um, a, a very cursory examination of Wikipedia says that just lists Dawson's Creek, Angel, The Pretender, The Chronicle, She Spies, 90210, anyways. So it doesn't tell me immediately if she has any more angel credits, but so she's the director of this episode and it's a very well-directed episode. All right. So a a nice comedy episode to take us out on these three fairly, you know, on this fairly dark little run of episodes. Well, they're really, they're really good about that. I mean, we were talking about like pathos, 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 joke. Yeah. Or you go joke, 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 you know, punch somebody in the chest. <laughs> right. um, so they've always been really, they've always been really good about, you know, peppering it. And, and especially when you think back as well, that these were 22 episode seasons, mm-hmm. where they really had to meter themselves. And if, you know, if you have any favorite TV show and you look at it and it ran five seasons, six seasons, you know, that's a hundred, 150 episodes of TV or not that many, 125 episodes of TV. Um, that's a lot of, you know, and when you're starting off on a season and you're like, what are we going to do this time? A lot of people right now are saying, well, we have eight episodes. Well, we have 10 episodes. <laughs> so, I know. And it's, this is 22 hour longs. It's and, so weird. There was a transition point that was uncomfortable for me where we went from just the, to me, what the normal, the standard was shows like this, where a season right. is 20, 22 episodes. And right. then gradually you know, and, and of course, British shows a season is like six episodes or whatever. And I always thought that was ridiculous. And there's been a transition where now I think we're, I think eight and 13 are the two most common numbers you see now. Yeah. 10 sometimes. But yes, you're absolutely yeah. right. And I, and I think mostly it's for the better. I agree. I think I like the shorter seasons. Well, I mean, and, and embarrassingly, there's a part of it is attention span. I think, yeah. there, it's, you know, and, and there's so much content out there yes I mean, this is a whole separate conversation yeah. but i think i think it's better in terms of streamlining your plot streamlining your story and the other logistical thing that i think helps it is that people are willing to spend a little bit more money and a little bit more time on eight episodes or 13 pick pick any smaller number because we're getting now tv shows um i mean uh, mcu tv mm-hmm. is as as you know if not as quantity, it's as qualityed as the features. And a lot of that is because it's on streaming. Yeah. You know, um, uh, yeah, they were feeding, uh, shows like Buffy and angel were feeding a different beast. Absolutely. Than they and, are now. And that's, again, kind of goes back to what I was saying of like, I, I'm I, I happily and comfortably surprised by how much fun these are mm-hmm. and how good they are. And on something like guys will be guys when they, when, they're so good at walking the tightrope between comedy and horror and drama and melodrama and soap opera and whatever, that when they lean into something like guys will be guys being a comedy episode, it's funny, you know, and it's still angel. 
I, I, I think this episode works really well. You know, and I'm such a, this is no secret because you know I love classic Hollywood, but one of my favorite Bob Hope films is My Favorite Brunette, where he is this bumbling guy who is in the office next door to a private eye. The private eye, who's also played by Alan Ladd in a cameo, mm. which, which is hysterical. But the, the private eye goes out of town. He happens to be in the office when, you know, the, the, the damsel shows up. I feel like that has to be an influence on this episode. Yeah. And, and he plays private eye. And, yeah. it's, and it's one of my favorite Bob Hope films. And this, this, it may feel like a trope now, but it's honestly not done that often. And you get Wesley playing Angel. I mean, that's funny. It's, it's so, good. this is a, this is, I always remember, like, I remember the name Guys Will Be Guys. Anytime I see that t- episode title or someone talks about it, I'm like, oh, I loved that episode. That was so good. But on this revisit, I was like, damn it. I really love this episode. Oh. This is such a good episode. Um, Wesley, I've I've never hidden the fact that Wesley is one of, if not me, if not my favorite character. Um, and this is a predominantly humorous episode. Um, there is one one sort of serious thing that comes out of it, and I think that it is the our first like real hint of Wesley actually having potential to be team leader. I agree. Yeah. Even though the whole episode is played as a joke there there is there are hints of wesley actually being able to call the shots for the team and angel being able to maybe step back and let him do that yeah I mean, and it's even sort of played for comedy at the end mm-hmm. it was like you guys take the back or whatever and, and angel's kind of like oh well yeah that's a good idea okay right, right but you know i also buy it when wesley kind of takes out those two guys in the hallway right like he mm-hmm. actually fisticuffs like it's action he takes them out right well, I buy that just as much as I buy him tripping on the on the file folder. Right? So, I mean, I mean, and a lot of that's Alexis. He 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 can man. do both so well. Prattfall Alexis Denisoff is. I was going to say it's my favorite Alexis, but every Alexis is my favorite. Um, yeah. But man, there are so many golden moments of Wesley. Uh, I mean, obviously early in the episode when he's slipping on the papers and all that, uh, when he walks into the room and starts to introduce himself as angel and he trips on the door frame or whatever, yeah. uh, when he forgets that he's supposed to be a vampire and can't yes. enter the room without being invited. Oh my yeah, gosh. He, I, I laughed out loud. Physically and visibly pulls himself <laughs> back out of the room. Yep. Oh, so, so good. Um, and when he sees his own reflection, <laughs> like just, Oh, it's so good absolute gold um and he, and, he, and he even like you know is is just when when she brings up the curse when they're kissing and he's like he's like all well, like, oh, right the curse like, it's, it's it's not as bad as as everybody says it's been widely misconstrued yeah so <laughs> which is made even funnier by the fact that the episode ends with angel basically saying the same thing yeah, and that when when the one guy accuses him of being a eunuch, he's like, "I'm not yes. a eunuch." I mean, the curse isn't even that clear. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. I was just like, "Oh," but that's Jane, you know. And, mm-hmm. and, and as much as I always say, Joss and company, I mean, you know, it's Jane when it's Jane. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I go back to what I and I forget what it's called. It's essentially the Thanksgiving episode, but when Buffy is trying to make the Thanksgiving dinner, pangs, pangs, and and there's all of that dialogue that's going on in that in in Giles 
house, apartment, whatever, mm-hmm. while she's making food. I was like, "It's that's Jane. That's yeah. Jane just firing on all cylinders. Um, and yeah. then I cut the line, you're deeply ambivalent. He's like, well, I am and I'm not. <laughs> I was like, Jane. I mean, so the actor Art LaFleur, who is, who's, I mean, he's been in a million things. I don't have his IMDb open, but he's one of those actors that you recognize immediately yeah. uh, playing the, the Swami Tish Magev, which is such a ridiculously perfect name uh, for a guy that looks like that. Um, all of that stuff. I mean, you, you could, I suppose you could roll your eyes at it, uh, at the cliche of this guy pretending to speak about out all of this, you know, early 2000s psychobabble, you know, Hollywood psychotherapy kind of stuff. Um, But it just plays. So first of all, it's beautiful coming out of that actor, like seeing Mm -hmm. that guy with that face deliver that kind of character. Um, And it works beautifully. I think there, I think people still debate how early Angel was supposed to have figured out what was going on. Yeah. Cause we well, never, we never actually see the exact moment necessarily when Angel figures out, Oh, you're not really the Swami. Are you? No, he kind of just kind of comes out of the house the morning after. Right. And, and knows it. Right. Yeah. But, um, but just watching well, all of watching Angel process, all of that stuff and initially try to roll his eyes at the, you know, at the psycho babble or whatever. Um, but I mean, it's all, it's that sort of ridiculous cliche stuff, but it was effective. Like, Oh, you're a va- Why do you hate yourself? I mean, you write, yeah. you know, sunny LA and you ride around in a convertible. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you're, you know, you don't care what people think of you, but you know, you dress on, you dress in all black yeah. you know, and, you, and you look cool and you know, yeah, it was great. You know, and, and they, you know, and anytime that it, that it feels like a trope, they know it. And they usually use that to their advantage. So not only does he make he in in dialogue does he make a Yoda reference, mm-hmm. but then they twit they put they almost immediately they turn it on its head by telling us the audience that he's not the real guy. Right. Yep. So it, it's not just you know Angel gets there and the Swami isn't who he thinks the Swami should have been in his head, and he's you know it's that Yoda joke. They make the joke about Yoda, and then they say, oh, he's not even the real Swami. Right. And I was like, okay, well, every single time that you can be pissed off at the melodrama of a show like this, they'll put in these really smart little twists or turns that make you go, we know what the joke is. We're in on the joke. We're leaning into it, and then we're going to like turn it on its head. You know, I was on Penn and Teller uh, – Penn and Teller fool us for two seasons, mm-hmm. uh, which is when I got to, um, I'll brag for two seconds. I got to work with Allison. Um, awesome. Uh, and I, and that's where I met uh, Alexis because he came up and, and visited with their wonderful children. Um, so it was very bizarre standing at craft service and having, you know, like a cup of coffee with both, uh, Wesley and Willow. It was very, very strange. <laughs> Did you tell them I'm still salty at them for stealing my wedding thunder? Yeah, they got married two days before my wedding. And I, and, uh, that's why James Marsters couldn't attend my wedding. Yes. I'm convinced. I, I, I will let them know. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> but one of the things I absolutely love about Penn and Teller is, you know, they, they, nobody does it better when they, you know, will show you, you know, their shtick is they'll show you how a magic trick is done. Mm-hmm. They'll, kind of, they'll, they'll essentially turn the table around um, and, and show it. And then 
And then somewhere during that magic trick of showing you how it's done, they will do a magic trick and still surprise you and still pull the rabbit out of something. And, you know, where you're like, oh, my God, you've taken me behind the curtain, but then you just threw me back out on stage. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where I think, you know, I keep saying Joss and company, but whatever. They do really good on on both Buffy and Angel and eventually Firefly and whatever, where it's like, oh, we've seen this trope before, and but we're going to show you why it's different. Right. We're going to just turn this a little bit in your favor while still doing a, a horror show or a comedy show or both. It's, it's, you know, especially for 2000, it's really impressive. And that it holds up at all. I, I was impressed. I, all of it. So good. I mean, I, I feel like really the only other things I have to say about this episode is just all. I mean, I just want to sit here and quote the whole episode. There's not that much that happens in the episode other than brilliant one-liners at this point. I love the throwaway of the villain that he just mentions. I wrote it down. Consolidated curses. Yeah. 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 I mean, just as a total throwaway, just in the middle of dialogue, there is a company called consolidated. Yeah. Curses. Yeah. You know what? I think but like, were, were you in Virginia? <laughs> that's my, that's the best. Were you in Virginia? Oh, that's beside the point. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, no, not the sun, for I am a vampire. Oh, my God. It's so good. Um, I think this is possibly, I mean, my, my brain is a sieve. My, my, I, I can't keep anything in my head. I don't think I'd ever caught before the fact that, um, so when they're at Caritas at the beginning of this episode, which, by the way, this is the first time a gun ever gets to go to Caritas, which right. will become a thing eventually. Um uh, there's Ramon, the, I don't know what he is, the server or the bartender or whatever that, uh, that Lauren loves so much. Cause he's always there with a sea freeze or whatever. He always knows when Lauren needs a drink. I, for some reason, I don't remember ever catching prior to this rewatch that Ramon is the one that tipped off Lanier, the bad guy, um, that Angel was about to go see the Swami Tishmagev. Oh, really? For some reason, I, I guess I had just always watched this episode and I was just like, Oh, I mean, I guess the bad guys got to the Swami, but for some reason, I don't know that my brain ever questioned why, why did they, well, do how, that? Would they how did they know that? to do that? And why would they do that? But they, they mentioned in this episode, I don't remember where or who says it, but someone in the episode says that Ramon, uh, oh. because he overheard that whole conversation with Angel and Lauren. Yeah. I, I never put that together. I'm glad you said that. So. Wow. That's fun. So I don't know if uh, we ever see Ramon again. I don't know if he gets to keep his job <laughs> at Caritas. But that was in there, and I don't think I'd ever caught it before. Um, I think when we were talking like behind the scenes on this, there is the one mug shot that um, Cordelia pulls up. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the producer, Kelly Manners. Oh, that seems uh, like that seems in, like in the mug shot. seems like something they would do. Yeah, I do. I didn't really do it this time, but I do typically anytime we get to see like someone's rap sheet or, you know, anytime there's a news headline, I always look that stuff up because I think they've got to be referencing something. There's got to be an in joke in there somewhere. Oh, totally. And and sometimes it's just, it's members of the crew yeah. or whatnot. Um, I don't know if you ever saw dear white people on Netflix. Uh, I think if I not. watched the first season. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. So there was, there's, I think it's in the first season. 
I think it is. But he's he he uh, the lead is just swiping on like one of the dating apps, uh-huh. and they asked me if I they could put my picture in there, and I said I said yes as long as he swipes like in my favor. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so they did. So, yeah. So if anybody ever watches the first season of uh, Dear White People, you see him swipe by me. <laughs> so, you, so you were a were you you were a swipe right, huh? I, I guess I don't I, know. I don't know what the keep is. Swipe right, swipe left. I don't either, but I said as long as he choose, as long as I'm in favor, you can absolutely use my picture. <laughs> Excellent. And he said, okay, sure. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's it's always fun. So that's how that's how I'm going to introduce you on this podcast from now on. <laughs> He's a swipe right. It's like the dating game. He's a swipe right. Yep. Oh man. Okay. Why don't I? I I don't think I have anything else about this episode. You 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 were absolutely accurate right at the top of it. This is kind of it's not a throwaway episode, but it you know it's just funny and lighthearted, and it goes back to they had to fill a twenty two episode schedule, but the fact that they did it as well as they did with this one. It's great. And then I think we see Virginia. She kind of becomes a girlfriend, doesn't she? Uh, she's a recurring girlfriend for Wesley for a few episodes. Yeah. I don't remember how long she sticks around, but. It was odd that she said, I, I, my ears um, rang when she's like, oh, I lost my virginity at 16. And I was like, <laughs> could, could they say that in 2000? I'm like, Apparently okay. there was a lot of stuff they could say in 2000. I was like, or, wow. Or at least imply. Yeah. I was like, wow, okay. Um, uh, but, oh, now I'm sad that this is the last Jane. I, I, know, I, ne- I need to confirm that, but I'm pretty sure that's true. I guess she was just entrenched at on Buffy? Maybe, yeah. Because Buffy's, if this is season two, that's season five of Five Buffy? of Buffy, I think, yeah. Okay. Crazy. Wowzers. Um. Wow. Well, this was fun. Thank you. Yeah, man. We're back. I love the show. <laughs> um, all right. Well, it, it were, any other thoughts about any of these three, three episodes? Anything we missed? Um, I, I don't think so. I, I do feel bad because I think you had said at one point that you have some friends that are watching this for the first time. Yes. Along and, with this. So they, they've really had to wait. He, yeah. I, I will say that. I have I have heard from them. Okay. <laughs> they have politely asked, "Look, are you <laughs> yeah. are you ever going to do any more with this?" Um, so yeah, they will be very excited that I'm back and they can finally watch the show again. Yeah. Well, I, again, to to your credit, you 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 were very patient with with our time here. Um, you kept knocking on my door, and it's it's uh, it's getting very busy. Um, um, I'm now on uh, the peripheral. Mm-hmm. For for Amazon, okay, and we are really, and that's with the wonderful uh, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy. Oh um, yeah, West of Westworld fame. Of Westworld, yeah, and they're great. I mean, it's it is a great crew. It's a lot of fun. It's a fun show, but it is it is starting to ramp up. So I'm I'm really really glad that I got to do this one. Uh, well, thank you again. So I'm going to be fighting for your time again. Right. <laughs> it's it's yeah, we're getting up. I mean, we're we were I got on that in August and um, it's just been cutting and cutting and cutting and it's VFX heavy. And and we were we're really getting into ramp up. We have to deliver to Amazon. We have to deliver first cuts 
in beginning of March. Mm. So it's it's we're 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 past the point of hey you know let's let's you know let's throw this on the wall and see if it sticks. Let's raise this up the flagpole and see. If, now it's like okay, time to build a show. <laughs> but it's good. You know? uh, is this based on? I'm trying to look this up. The peripheral is this based uh, on the William Gibson novel? Correct, sir. Oh, okay, all right. Yep. Excellent. Um, yeah, Scott Smith um, did all the first drafts of scripts. Um, he didn't end up writing all, but but it's it was sort of his baby. Scott Smith, you know, from A Simple Plan. And oh. Um, so it's 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 pretty faithful to the book in. in, in tone uh um obviously you know every book needs to be adapted oh yeah for a show but it's really faithful and scott is such a such a smart writer um it's, it's been good they're very different from after party <laughs> i'm sure yeah I'm sure any uh idea when that's supposed to drop oh uh not long i mean no not long it's supposed to be the end of this year oh okay Excellent. yeah it's um yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there. In fact, I know there's not an official release yet, okay. but we keep being told they're they're really fighting for the end of this year. So that keeps a, a fire underneath us. All right, cool. We'll see. Well, <laughs> that's uh, kind of the nice thing about streaming too, and I, we kind of touched on it a little bit. Is with money and time and whatnot is is a lot of the the streamers are willing to say, hey, we want really good material. We don't have, you know, we're not beholden to a network release when I pull into a weekly show. So, you know, if it got pushed, it would not, you know, that any, anytime you hear that something gets pushed on streaming now is, is not like, uh Oh, what's the problem with it? Right. It's usually, Hey, we want this to be even better. Um, it's, it's a weird world. TV is a, is a very different place. And, and then COVID was just a whole, whole different thing. I, but, I mean, the world is a very weird place in general right now. And so I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that most of what has been eating up your time is productive, like good stuff, work stuff, and not like me where my brain is just collapsing in on itself (laughs) over the last two years. So yes, we're all, it's, it's been a, it's been a challenging bit of time. So. Well, you look good. You sound good. This was a lot of fun once again. So thank you. Well, thank um, you. Uh, let's do it again in four or five months. <laughs> God. Yeah, I don't. Um, oh, that's what I was looking up. I knew I was about to go look something up. I wanted to see uh, if I already have you scheduled. Like, what's the next thing I've got you scheduled for? So let's see. How quickly can I bring up the guest schedule document? Boom. There it is. Um, you are the next time was, I see your up. name. The next time I see your name officially is for season three, Offspring and Quickening. That'll be fun. Yeah. So. Whatever. Yeah. All right. I love I love this show. Every time I do one of these, I genuinely have fun doing it. So so I keep saying thank you, but I mean it. Well, you're awesome, and you're too kind. So thank you for yeah. spending time with me. Um, Absolutely. Watch anything- Angel. It's really good. What was that? It's like, like to your listeners, watch Angel. It's really good. Oh yeah. Uh, if, in I mean, case you I haven't hope, figured hope, out already. Yeah, but I hope people are really re-watching it for the podcast, or they're watching it for the first time and loving it because it's it's a really good show and it holds up for 
let's see, there's five five seasons. Right? Five seasons. Yeah, so you're only in the beginning of two. God, you have so much wonderful stuff coming. <laughs> I can't. I'm, I must have said this on the podcast before, but uh, just because I feel you were setting me up for this, I will. I will say right now for anyone who has not listened to the show before this series angel is building up towards what I maintain to this very day. I still insist is the greatest series finale of all time. Any television series, it is flawless. It pissed off a lot of people, but I consider the series finale of angel to be the high watermark. So it's great. Yeah. It's funny. I had not heard that people, disliked it to such a degree oh yeah no there was i think it is i think it's widely held up like most of the people that still talk about angel talk about it because they like it but uh, i know at the time there were a lot of people that were pissed off because of how ambiguous i suppose the ending is but i love that we're being coy even though at the very it's a very spoiler yeah that's right yeah spoil the hell out of anything so i hope you've seen it but (laughs) you'll be coy All right. Well, is uh, sorry. Is that why at the very beginning of the show you say let's get to work? It is. Okay. Let's go to work. I or I I just went bookend. <laughs> You've just thought I had this very weird affectation this well, whole time. I, thought it, I, thought, I just thought it was a great line because because I think you said it all during Buffy as well. I think so. That's how, that's how you always kind of started the show, and I was just like, oh, that's really kind of fun. Like, let's get to work. Like, I was like, oh, let's go. And then, and then as soon as we were talking about the finale, I went, light bulb. There you go. So See, I guess my brain's a sieve as well. Every, every, every ridiculous <laughs> word out of my mouth has been carefully curated. It all means something. Yeah. When this series is over, go back to the beginning and listen all over, and it'll all make perfect sense. Exactly. exactly. All right. Funny. So, Michael, thank you again. Absolutely. And thank, thank you, me. everybody at home, for listening. Thank you for being, oh, so patient. If you were... If you are a returning listener, I apologize, and uh, I do not deserve you. Um, so thank you for sticking around, for coming back. Um, you can find links to this and all of our in-the-past-years-and-years-ago episodes uh, at the website conswithdead.com. Uh, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Um, while you're there, you can write us or uh, write us. You can rate us or write a review, which uh, helps feed the algorithm, helps new listeners find the show. If you've got questions for me or any of my guests, or if you'd just like to join the conversation, you can drop us an email at conswithdead at gmail.com um, or follow us on Twitter at conswithdead or reach out to us on Facebook at Conversations with Dead People. Next week, I'm going to, ho- I'm going to optimistically say next week. Um, the voice that you've heard at the top of every single episode of this podcast, my very good, very British friend, Wesley Mead, joins me for the very first time to discuss episodes 207, Darla, 208, The Shroud of Ramon. Ramon? Ramon? I don't know if I've ever said the name, said the name out loud. It's, it's the server from, it's, it's Lauren's server? <laughs> no. Yeah, that's right. That's what happens to him. <laughs> Uh, and 209 the trial so until then remember if nothing we do matters then all that matters is what we do